0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America N.A. member FDIC.
1: What is up all of my beautiful freaking people? Welcome back to another episode of FML Talk. Today, we are diving straight into the divorce pool with Alexandra Eva May. She is the best-selling author of the book, Her Awakening, and we are talking all about her story how she got out of a verbally abusive marriage and is now thriving. So sit back, have a drink, and welcome to FML Talk. Oh my God! Wait, how
2: old was the other girl? Nineteen. You believe us? Yet?
1: Hey, Hi. this is Gabrielle Stone. You a good book.
2: I do not chapter did <gasps> what? Forty-eight hours. What a dick. Yeah, but have you seen all the photos on our Instagram? No, no.
1: And this is FML Talk. Oh no, she didn't. So Alexandra Eva May went from being stuck in a verbally abusive, toxic marriage and eventually was able to leave, filed for divorce, and fell into a very dark place. She has since pulled herself out of that place and is now fully fucking thriving. Uh, She has written a book that I know is going to help a lot of women who go through divorce and heartbreak and grieving relationships. And it's already got a lot of success under its belt. Her and I have a lot of similarities in our story, uh, including some uh, travel therapy. So I am excited to dive in. And without further ado, let's get into the interview. Alexandra, Eva May, welcome to FML Talk, girl. Thanks for having me on. I'm super excited. I'm super excited. Uh, when I heard about your story, I felt like there was so many similarities between the two of us and our journeys and what we've gone through and the ways that we've healed. So I cannot wait to dive in with you. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. Um, so I guess take me back to the beginning and kind of tell everybody about your your story and where it began.
3: So I I think I've been split up We've been uh, divorced for like five years now at this point. But uh, we were together from the age, uh, like early 20s, like probably, I don't know, 22. And we were together all the way up to 30. And we were like, we lived together for years, got married, the whole thing. And then like shortly after we got married, it kind of imploded. And we ended up going separate ways. And then I went on this whole kind of like healing journey journey over the past yeah four or five years and I've kind of landed here and like it, it was such a complicated split because we had so much history behind us and like we were together like through all those like formative years of like your 20s like like mm-hmm. I said early 20s it was like we were kids kind of when we got together almost and how then- long were
1: you guys together before you got married
3: Oh God, we were like seven years, I think.
1: Okay, so it was like a long, long relationship.
3: Yeah, and we had lived together for three years ahead of time. So it was like you were married, right? In a way, right, right, Because so much stuff was like combined and we had bought, like even bought a house and everything. And so, yeah, and then when we got married, stuff started to kind of change within the relationship, in the marriage. And I just, I think I realized I needed to get out before, not before it was too late, but- I felt like I wanted to start over like in my thirties versus waiting till I was 40 or 50.
1: What started to change when, when the marriage took place?
3: So my, he's a, he's a complicated guy, but he, aren't aren't they always. (laughs) (laughs) So so he like, okay. For the people listening, like the red flags were there. I just didn't, they were never directed at me that's what I say. Like I wasn't the target until we got married. So like he, I, when we were dating, he could be really like, like a a shit to his friends and family, like say like awful things to them. And I remember I would I always justified it in my head. Well, it's not me. That's okay. It's not me. Like that was such a, like a naive way to look at it. And I think when you you are in those twenties like in your 20s you're like less i mean aware uh, i think or like less sure of yourself less able to like maybe speak up when things are not right but i kind of just was like well it's not me i'm not the target and then we got married and i became the target like pretty like quickly within the marriage in regards to like verbal attacks and mm. yeah verbal abuse essentially and like it was it was it was so hard to make like sense of to be honest like when it was all happening. And I it was so foreign to me. I'd never been treated like that from like an ex-boyfriend or from family or friends. So I I couldn't I just couldn't even make heads and tails of it and that's why our marriage didn't last that long because I couldn't deal with it.
1: Right. Well, I mm-hmm. and nor should you. Um so when the verbal abuse started were were you guys able to go to therapy? Were you speaking to him about like, why is this happening all of a sudden? Was, what was the, what was being done about it?
3: So for years, even when we were dating, I would suggest to my ex to seek out therapy because he had issues with anxiety and like, it could get really bad for him. And, but he just never, he just wouldn't, he wouldn't go. And he would have excuses like, the idea of going to therapy makes me anxious. Like, it was just like a cycle, like, and he wouldn't help himself. And then, so when this all was happening, like we split up one time, like before we split, but like, we kind of, like, I left the house and I stayed with my parents for a little bit. And during that time, like he didn't do anything, but I ended up, we just kind of got back together and then it just like kept happening. And so we, like, I, I had told him like, this isn't okay. And like, things need to change, but he just, wouldn't change. He wouldn't do anything. And I mean, I sought out therapy, but he wasn't, yeah, willing to go himself. And then even when we separated, like when the marriage ended, I wasn't sure if it was over, over, but like I I left and he had opportunity at that point to change things or to go to therapy or something. And he never did. And I did so much reading, like I'm a big reader and a Googler. And like, I found, <laughs> <laughs> I found this book by Patricia Evans. It's called The Verbally Abusive uh, Relationship. Mm. She's like one of the experts on this thing. And in her book, she said, if someone is an abuser and in this context, like verbal abuse, if a couples therapy almost doesn't actually work necessarily because it's not a couple problem. It's a one-person problem.
1: <laughs> oh, interesting. Right,
3: right. you <laughs> said like in, in situations of abuse, they need really targeted kind of therapy by themselves. And if they're not willing to do that, it's not that likely that they they might change for a bit, but it's hard to change.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, you can't force someone to take that step to help themselves. You know, it, it's got to be their choice and done within Uh, it's otherwise it won't work. And if, if it does, it's not going to work long-term.
3: Oh yeah. Like for sure. And I think like, I'm not going to speak to exactly what my ex went through growing up, but it was like such deep seated issues that like occurred in his life that would have been really hard, I think, to unravel. Like I remember my mom said, when we had split up and I was still going back and forth to go back, do I like we've kind of thing? She said, well, like, I think she said these aren't just like simple behaviors. Like he, y- you know, you're having conflicts and these are behaviors that maybe could be addressed. She's like, these are like personality things. <laughs>
1: you get Right. Me? Like fundamental <laughs> yes. things that need to be addressed. And, yeah. and she just, and she even said,
3: she's like, and honestly, she's like, you don't need to be his, like savior. She's like, you don't need to put yourself through that. She's like, you're still young. You deserve way more than that. You don't need to be like dragged along for the next five, 10 years. Well, he maybe figures it out and then maybe he doesn't. And I yeah, totally agree.
1: <laughs> Looking back on it, you know, cause you said that the abuse didn't start until you guys got married and you said you saw forms of abuse with friends and family members, there was never any fights that you guys got into that crossed that line into abusive?
3: So because I witnessed how he could be when he was stressed out or when like he was in that, that conflict situation with someone else, I never spoke up in our whole dating relationship. Like I didn't realize this until like after we split up and I've been healing and I realized, Oh my God, like, look, who was I for those eight years or nine years or whatever it was. But I never spoke up when he did things. Like when I was like upset with him, I just sort of buried it because I never wanted, I didn't realize it at the time, but I realized now I didn't want to be the target
1: Mm. of the way he could be with
3: people. So I just kind of buried it I was always like a people pleaser. I was consistently his cheerleader. I was just like consistently happy because happy was safe. It's very unhealthy, but like I didn't feel the range of emotions with him because it wasn't safe. And so, yeah, yeah I, I, to be honest now that, but like now there were situations like where he, we got in a fight once and he threw a cell phone through a car window and broke the window. Like that's like, it right. wasn't, I th- at the time, you don't re- acknowledge that's abuse, but that is abusive. <laughs> so yeah, things like that. So he didn't target, I guess, verbal abuse at me, but he there was other situations where, yeah, it was definitely abusive that I I saw, but.
1: Yeah. It, well, it was almost like walking on eggshells. Like, I don't want to trigger this person, how I've seen him with yeah. other people. So let's just stay quiet.
3: Exactly. A hundred percent. And that was so hard to heal from, to be honest, after we split up, like the, the divorce was hard enough. Like that like the ending, it was kind of sudden and traumatic, but then also I had so much trauma that I didn't even know till even like, I, I would say a year or two ago, I was still having trauma triggers sometimes like in my romantic relationship. I'm in now because of what had happened, even though I've done all this oh, work. Sure. Yeah. So, I if, mean,
1: there, there's times where in my current relationship where something will come up and Tay will look at me and be like, and and we'll both recognize that it's happening. And he's like, that's, he, he feels bad because he knows it's from my ex-husband. Um, like, and I didn't, that wasn't a thing for me until now. Like, for example, I have never been the type of girl who feels the need to look through phones ever. Um, and even with my ex-husband, when I should have had that feeling, I didn't have that feeling and never did. Um And now after the divorce, earlier on in mine and Tay's relationship, I felt that need. And it made me feel so gross in my own skin. I felt so ashamed that I wanted to do that. Um, And I was open with him about it and spoke with him about it. And the way that we kind of navigated it together is he was like, you know, anytime I was sitting next to him and he could kind of feel my eyes on his phone, he would just tilt it towards me and be like, here, you know, Um, without, and there, he would always say, you know, like, if you ever want to go through my phone, you're more than welcome to. But even that felt shitty to me because I didn't want to be, I didn't want to have to feel that need. So I totally understand what you're saying as far as like the, the past traumas from those relationships trickle over. Mm
3: -hmm. That's amazing though that you said, like, that's, Such a safety net he's created. That's so cool Yeah, that he like offered that up. But yeah, like I would, we'd get in conflicts as you do in a relationship that's totally healthy, but I would just, it was stuff like I couldn't, when we, when I, as soon as a conflict, it would like, I would go like trauma very much is fight, flight, or freeze, like trauma response. When you're in that trauma mode and I, I i taught like i've done a lot of research and i've learned from experts and things like that you go into almost like a caveman brain like you're red it's like red is flashing so you either fight back you you fight you go away or you freeze and you shut down so for me like as soon as i would have a conflict with a, a, a romantic relationship with a man because that's when it happened and i didn't even know that this was a trigger till it started happening with this relationship because it was my kind of the most serious relationship i've had since my split. Anyways, we get in this conflict and I would do things like I would like look down at the ground. Like I couldn't even look him in the eyes. I would get super silent. And if it at all, like if I felt like any, it would be things like uh, I've some, I maybe I like forgot or he forgot to go to the store, like such like little, like a little disagreement or something. And then I would even have the need to like go to the bathroom or my closet and like shut the door and like. I isolate, like flight, like get away. Right. And it, it was like my stress just shot through the roof and I, I had no idea what was going on, why this was happening. And it took therapy to be like, oh, well, you have trauma. That when right. you used to get, when there was conflict, when you saw it with the guy you were with, really bad things would happen. Um, so now you connect that with like conflicts with relationships. So it, I've like, there's lots of strategies. And with my current partner, like I'll say, like, if, if stuff is getting like, I, I, I'll be like, I need a break. And he totally respects yeah. that. And we just, I kind of walk away and like collect myself and like remind myself you're safe. Like he's not the same, He's not your ex. He's not right. going to do something bad to you. Like you're safe. And that really helps.
1: Yeah, Absolutely. Summer is here and life is not slowing down for us anytime soon. One of the things we have continuously relied on making our lives so much easier is Factor meals. No prep, no mess, no cleanup meals. I have really been off the wagon with my eating since having my son and for my health, my wellness, and my mental sanity, I have been switching my dinners to more healthy options from Factor. They have 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, so I never get bored. And Tay is continuously shocked every time he sits down to eat one because they are so freaking tasty. They have breakfast, lunches, dinners, And desserts, it's a treat to have restaurant-quality food that is so easy to prepare and doesn't come with the insane Postmates bill. Head to Factormeals.com slash FMLTalk50 and use code FMLTalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code FMLTalk50 at Factormeals.com slash FMLTalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Enjoy, FMLers. When the divorce happened, you said it was sudden. Was that your choice um, to leave the marriage?
3: Yeah. So it was after another kind of episode and I just couldn't handle it. And I I just in the heat I, at the moment, I was like, I'm out of here. I want a divorce. I can't handle this anymore. And I, I like took a bag and I you know, with not, not even with full, like I'm leaving, like, it was just like that moment where I needed to feel safe. And for me, safety in that moment was flying away, like getting out of there. Yeah. So I left and then I kind of had intention of like returning to the marriage and we had talks after, but it wasn't as direct, like the verbal abuse after, but there was still so much, like, there was stuff that was still, but he'd say stuff like, you know, he was, he was trying to get us back together. And at the same time, he was like, insulting me kind of thing. And he was still like sarcastic and passive aggressive. And I just like, you know what, like, this is the time where a guy would be like, showing up with flowers or like, you know, saying like, I'm working on it, and I'm doing all these wonderful things or like, like, yeah, and even when he was trying his best, it was still not good. So I just never kind of we had talks, but I just like never kind of went back. So it was sudden. um, But yeah, I just never returned because it wasn't ever safe after.
1: Yeah. Do you think he wanted the marriage to continue?
3: Yeah. Oh, for sure. Like he, yeah, definitely. Because, well, we had, like I said, we had been together for so long and like, we weren't, the thing with abuse, it's, it's very complicated. So like a lot of times people like, and I, I was never, I, I, I want to say that like, I was never physically hit or physically abused or any of that. I do want to say that, but like, In situations of abuse, whether it's physical or verbal, people always say like, why didn't she leave? And unless you've kind of been there, it's really complicated to totally understand. Like, even if you don't have kids, because a lot of times you won't leave because of children or financial, like you have nowhere to go. You have no means of making money. But like abusers aren't monsters. That's a thing that a lot of people forget. It's not just like black and white. So like they do awful things, but then there's all these times where they're okay, like, and like, he was my best friend. He was like the funniest guy. He was charming. Like we had, like I, he was so smart. Like I had so many amazing times with him, but then I also had these really bad times. So it like, even after the fact, like, I think he of course wanted us to be together. Cause I was his best friend and we had all these amazing times. And for him, because of his, like where this came from, this wasn't that strange, like For him, this is how he, I think, understood that relationships, that this was part of relationships, was speaking to people this way.
1: Yeah, he he had normalized it in his own brain. 100%. So once you left and got the divorce, what did you decide to do next? Because obviously there is a lot of, like, take me through how you were feeling and the the emotions that you went through and kind of what took place once you decided to make that decision.
3: So once I was done and I realized, okay, we need to be split up. Like it's healthier for me. Then there was just like so much healing to do in regards to like the end of the marriage and then all like the stuff I went through. And I kind of want to tell anybody who is experiencing abuse right now, whatever form that is in your marriage or your relationship or wherever you're at, I know it can feel impossible to end it and to be out of it, but it's just so much better on the other side. Like even I remember referencing my mom a couple of times, but she said, like she said, it's not likely you're going to be single, but even if you are like, that's such a better existence being by yourself for the rest of your life and being with someone who like treats you like that.
1: Yes. Yes. Mom. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Mom.
3: And I completely agreed. And so when kind of that was like the ticket to like be like, okay, like let's, now we got to start healing. And so like healing for me is, well, you know, like there's so many different like steps to it. And I, I think that the summer after, so like the first, the year, like I had no money to like, we we had this house that we had to sell and we had bought the house at the height of the market. And then we were selling it at the bottom of the market. So I lost like so much money on the house um we and he also owed me a ton of money from like our being to like rent over the years. It was just crazy. Like I was like not just like zero dollars. I was well below I had no money. So I like moved back into my parents into their like base into my childhood I f- bedroom. I, I
1: feel like I feel like that's the norm when we get divorced. Like I left my house and went back to my mom's in my childhood bedroom and was like, okay, cool. Here we go. Right. (laughs) It
3: was the weirdest moment. Like, Oh my God. Like I remember being here and I was 10 years old and I'm back. I'm 30 and I'm sitting here. So I'm back in my childhood bedroom and I just kind of, I don't know from there. I just like, I worked through a lot of my stuff like with therapy and then blogging, like my online adventure really helped with healing. And then I ended up traveling a ton too. Um, the summer after I went to, so this I think yeah, the summer after I, w- I went to Spain and Portugal and Greece, and then the following summer I went to South America. I climbed um, Machu Picchu, like the four day climb, the Inca Trail. Oh,
1: amazing! went
3: to Bolivia, uh, so I was in Peru, Bolivia. So I did a bunch of travel after too. And that was so healing, as you know, as you know.
1: Yes, yes. <laughs> highly, highly recommend travel for the soul. Yeah. Um, but when we had spoke earlier, you mentioned that you were really depressed after mm. and that there was some, some really scary thoughts that you were experiencing. Can you kind of take me through what was going on with you in that respect?
3: So leading up to this, but I had different people commenting on um, how skinny I was getting and i was in such a bad like mental head like space because of what was going on i thought these were compliments so after the split i remember my sister saying something like like you're really skinny and i was like yeah i know like thank you and she's like no i don't mean that as a compliment and I was like, oh uh. so it kind of like okay and i started to look at photos like i am actually like dangerously thin and then i also realized like during that time there was all these things that were happening with my mind like so i i was having trouble focusing at work i wasn't eating skinny there i wasn't eating much i was i could like on weekends i would just there it just felt like overwhelming even to like have it like get out of bed and have a shower like simple things like that um my emotions were all over the place like i i was lashing out at friends i would i was isolating and i was so it all kind of combined. And I realized, and through therapy, like I was, I had a deep, dark depression and it was because of how traumatic the split was. And because of all the trauma I had sustained, like it just, it was, it was bad. And then I was also at that time. So I had moved back with my parents, but then I, I ended up going back to the house. So I was in the house that we were trying to sell, like in this big, mm. like lonely house, like got the a single family home with like three bedrooms kind of thing. Like the home we bought, like thinking we'd have kids there. So I have all these like nights alone in the house. And it was all the way, like in the city I live in, we have like suburbs. So it was like all the way in the suburbs and all my friends were downtown. So on those nights, like I would just be, I'm like on the outskirts of the city alone in this big house. And what do we do to like cope? I'm not saying all of us, but lots of girls, like we drink, right? We have wine, right? That's our thing. We're (laughs) going to cope with wine and it's cool. And like, I still like, we'll have wine and stuff, but like, it wasn't good coping. Let's just say that like one glass turned into two, it's turned into a bottle, it's turned into like multiple bottles by myself on like a Wednesday night in this lonely house. And like, And when that would happen, like, that's, like, and so to go with, like, all my mental health stuff, like, I started to get suicidal ideation, like, daily. And when I would drink, like, alone, that's when it would get to be really bad. And so, I, like, I even had a plan. Like, I never did anything to self-harm, thank goodness. (laughs) But, like...
1: I oh, wow, yeah. Like so, you had you had a full on plan of like if I go through with this, this is what it's going to be.
3: Yeah, like I, my plan is pills, and I, I would just like, I, I remember I would be like drinking, and I would like empty the pill bottles, and I had to like remind myself, no, like, like no, like, like your sister will miss you or your mom. Like, how could you? Pull, like, how could you? How could you hurt her like that? So like I'd have to remind myself actively, like don't do it. But I remember during that time, like reading my journal, I write statements like I just want to melt into the ground, like crazy things. And I I don't want to say that.
1: That's not crazy crazy, things, though. Well, no, but that's not even that out there. Like a lot of people feel that way, especially when we're recovering from abuse, recovering from a failed marriage that we had all of these thoughts and ideas and promises for that's very much so normal Mm -hmm. for people to feel that way. And I think the more we can speak about that and tell people that that's normal and that that's okay, that it it kind of destigmatizes why people don't speak up to go get help because they, they, they're, you know, they need to know that it's not that wild of a thought to have. Um, especially when you're going through what you went through.
3: Yeah. And like, I, I actually, I include it in my book. I did like, there's a whole chapter about it. And I include like about the suicidal ideation, because it's like exactly what you said. Like it was when I was dealing with this and this was, like I said, four or five years ago. So now mental health, we talk about it a lot more. It's a lot more normalized back then. Like there was no, it gets better. There was no hats on for mental. That didn't exist back then. In four, and that's only four or five years ago. So I, and I didn't know anybody in my life like that was dealing with mental health or at least nobody was talking about it. I didn't even really know anybody going through a divorce to be honest, that was like my age. So I just felt so isolated. So um, yeah, so then I took to online to be honest, like I think five or six months later, it was like boxing day and I started an Instagram account, like a separate one. And I just, cause I, I needed to connect with people. And then I started connecting with people. And that's where I started to talk about mental health and divorce because I felt so much shame and stigma on myself. And I wanted to, yeah, like you said, break down the, the shame or stigma that people might feel because with mental health too, like even with all my knowledge and the fact that I'm so out there, like sometimes things will come up, especially with the trauma. And I would say a year and a half ago, like things were coming up quite a lot. And I felt ashamed that things were even coming up then, even with all my knowledge. Right. And so even when you do know that like others have suffered, like especially with like suicidal ideation, sometimes even though, you know, like it's okay, people say it's okay. You still get in your head. You're like, it's not okay. I can't tell anybody.
1: <laughs> like, right. So,
3: like I've called helplines I've, or texted them. I've called them. There's no shame, but it, it can be very difficult to open oh, up about. Oh,
1: absolutely. Yeah, because you don't know. Yeah, you don't
3: know how people react, and you don't. A lot of people, and I know like women suffer. We do suffer, but men. I think it's. I don't know what the percent of men that die by suicide, but it's a it's an alarming number of men that die by suicide every year. And I think they they've been raised to believe like, you know, suck suck it up, tough guys don't cry like that kind of thing. So I think men, especially, they get so like. I'm not going to talk about it. I'm not going to tell anybody.
1: Right. But also women, but. It's hard. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a human experience to feel a certain type of shame around that. And, and I think the shame really comes from fear because it's a very scary thing Mm -hmm. to recognize within yourself. Um, so how did you, did you decide to go traveling after that? And is that how you kind of pulled yourself out of that dark, dark place?
3: So I, I think eventually I realized my, like the thoughts of suicide, it wasn't that I wanted to die. Well, I mean, I believed it at the time, but it was more, I realized I just needed to get away from the pain. That's where my head went. This will end my pain kind of thing. And so I think realizing that sort of helped realizing how bad it had gotten for me helped me realize, okay, things need to shift. And I also started to like spend a lot of time with good girlfriends and I started to open up. That was like such a turning point, opening up to my sister, opening up to my best friend about like what I had been dealing with for the last like nine months or a year. Yeah. And then kind of opening up online. And it, that's kind of when the healing started. And then, and then I've, I've traveled, like I've been, even before this all happened, I had been to, I think, 15 or 16 countries. Like I've traveled a ton of my life. So I knew how amazing travel is. Right, right I'm gonna like I need to go travel I need to do this I've never really traveled with my sister I've never traveled by myself I'm gonna go and do the thing and it it so helps like traveling it just kind of put everything into perspective it got you out of your little world of pain I mean like there's a big wide world out there and it just travels amazing so yeah, that really helped kind of bring me back to myself. And then after I got back from my trip, I moved in with my best friend, and that like so helped. Moved downtown with her. We like it was just so great, and just kind of slowly put my kind of everything back together. I started um, going to the gym a ton. I'm not saying you need to go to the gym and get fit, but it's just like exercise makes you happier, releases really, it.
0: Yeah. so any kind no, of activity, it's, right?
1: Yeah, it's about finding the things that are gonna like give you fulfillment and make you happy and make you physically feel better mm-hmm. um one step at a time so that you can put all those pieces back together because it's like your entire life got yeah. upheaved, you know? Like the whole trajectory that you thought you were on is suddenly now completely different. And you're single when you're 30, which <laughs> is not a terrible thing, first of all, no. but it's it's a big change from being in a fucking marriage. You know, that's a that's a big change. Um so when did you have the idea to write your book? So I
3: have been, like I mentioned a little bit here, I've been sh- I've been showing up online for four or five years on, like through Instagram and my blog. And I had been writing quite a bit on the blog. And I had someone that said, hey, like, you know, why don't you, you should write up like a book maybe. I thought, okay. And I, that kind of, I guess, planted the seed. And then- The reason I wrote this book was because I had, when it all went down back in 2016, I think it was, there was, I tried to find a book that was like a first person perspective of someone who had been through the shit and how to heal from divorce, like a woman. And it was really hard to find. Like there was a lot of books from like psychologists and coaches and things like that. And that's great. And that helped me, but I had a real hard time finding that like first person, how did I heal book? And so that's at the time, at least. And so that's kind of why I wrote that. And I mean, your book is amazing. Like you're.
1: you're Well, yeah, but girl, mine, mine didn't come out till 2019. So I went, we were going through whatever was going on in the fucking stars and sky in 2016 (laughs) and 2017 with some fucked up shit. Let me just say that. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So like, I don't know about you, could you, I couldn't, could you find a book that was like, um, I know. And even to this day when people are like, you know, they finish Eat, Pray, FML and they're like, I need something else that's this style of writing and that, you know, has like these elements. I'm like, I, I mm-hmm. don't know what to tell you. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I have nothing. Um, like I have books that, you know, I always recommend to people, Donald Miller's Scary Close, mm-hmm. um, but that's by no means, obviously it's written by a man and it's more about relationships and, Um, Existing in relationships and how to have healthier ones. It's by no means about like, you know, a female and divorce and that, that perspective. Yeah.
3: So that's kind of what inspired it. So I decided, you know, I'm going to write this about my experience. I'm going to include like all my, about my grief, my loneliness, my um, self-care, all the things that you would need. And then also like my mental health struggle. Like I, I have a whole chapter about like my descent into depression and what that was like and how I got out of that. So I I decided my book is gonna be like my experience, my story. But then throughout, there's like all sorts of like strategy. Okay, you're grieving or you're lonely. Here's what you could do. Be like, here's what helped me. Right. This is what you could do. So I I really kind of wanted to mix between my story and also not self-helpy, but like strap like practical strategies of like yeah. what you could do if you are if you can't forgive, let's say like there's a whole chapter on like, how do I forgive him myself? Mm-hmm. Cause a
1: lot of people can't forgive themselves.
3: Yeah. Like, how do I do that? So I talk about my experience with that and like things that help me kind of thing. And
1: yeah, like, like tools for all of the different fucking yeah. shitty emotions that come along with dealing with traumatic experiences yeah. like that.
3: hundred percent. And so, yeah, that's kind of what inspired me to write it and get it out there because I, I want women to like, I want to help women like that. And I mean, men could read this too, but it's from a female perspective. It's definitely the female kind of experience. And I also kind of just wanted to like share my journey also of like just getting to that place of like self-love and self-acceptance, no matter what the fuck is going on in your life.
1: Right. Right. Because that, that's like, for me, at least when I was going on my eat per FML journey, it was like this fucking mythical thing of like, yeah, you need to learn how to love yourself. I was like, okay, cool. Well, (laughs) Can anyone tell me how to do that? Like, are there instructions that I'm not getting somewhere? Um, because it, I, I, I understood that it was the, the fucking key to happiness and the key to life, but I had no idea how to accomplish that feeling. And anytime I looked in a mirror and was like, I love you, Gabrielle, I felt like a fucking crazy person. I was like, this is, there has to be something more to this than, than this. Um, so I think it's so important the more, People, you know, write books on stuff like this. Like it's so, cause so many women go through it. Um, and, you know, like you said, I have a, a good amount of male readers because I think grief and heartbreak mm-hmm. is universal. Oh yeah. Um, so if you can get past, like, you know, for my example, the pink cover, like, <laughs> you know, you'll get a lot out of it because you're going to go on the journey with me and heal with me. And I'm sure yours is the same way. Yeah. Um, so tell everyone what what the book is called yeah. I know it's had some uh awesome success recently <laughs> thanks
3: yeah and I just wanted to add like I like you said about self-love like I've said that lately like self-love that's literally your life's work if anything is that's your life's work because it's so yeah. challenging and when you get to this level of self-love something else could happen that will like bring you back down like you're like like I just had, personally, I just had a baby. So my body has like totally changed and that really like hit me hard. (laughs) So I have to use all these tools. I've learned like how to, okay, no, it's okay. It's fine. (laughs) fine. Um, anyways, so my book is called her awakening, uh, one woman's journey to great title through divorce. Yeah. Right here.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I love it. Wait, hold it up higher. Hold it up higher yes it's beautiful is that you on the cover um yes no no, no it's not <laughs> i love it it's beautiful <laughs> Thank girl. You.
3: yeah so you can find it on amazon right now and it should be um chapters indigo barnes and noble soon apparently it takes a while once you awesome. upload it it takes a while to like hit the shelves there so
1: it'll be there soon yeah.
3: but yeah
1: Oh Oh my God. That's so exciting. Okay. Sorry. This is just a (laughs) side note tangent that I'm interested in. Did you publish with a publisher or self-publish? Kind
3: of middle of the road. So I was going to self-publish for a long time. And that was kind of like, I had talked to a few other friends that had self-published. All right, I'm going to do this. I knew how to like go about, but then just the universe kind of brought a boutique publisher into my sphere through kind of social media. And we were chatting a lot and just her whole like it's a, a female who owns the company she only published female authors and at the time just like nonfiction empowerment books and nice. yeah and she had she had a whole great team like like the edit the whole the thing the things I would need to hire out like editor and cover design and all that stuff they had all the people for that they had like right an editor to help with like the creative process and the technical so they had everybody so I thought you know what like I'm just gonna Go with a publisher. So,
1: yeah. So, I'm going to take press the easy button (laughs) because
3: I had the whole manuscript done, but it's just it was great. And they, so I was happy that I went with who I did. Um, but I definitely now that I've done it once, if I write anything again and I've got some ideas, I would definitely self publish. It's not that bad, it's a good route. Hey,
1: yeah. I mean, it's been the biggest blessing in my life me with my specific journey and story. Um, what's the response been from women who have read the book thus far?
3: It's been really positive. Like it's been really good. It just dropped. So it just came out like November 2nd. So like not a ton of people have, like, you know what I mean? It's only been a few weeks.
1: Yeah. It's fresh, <laughs>
3: fresh, fresh. But like, <laughs> it's been really good. And even I've had some people that pick that aren't even going through divorce that have like picked it up. And they said like, this is, like I can relate to this. This is so cool. Like I can relate to like dealing with these things. And like, you give so many good ideas of like what to do. And like, it's, it's like, it's been really the response so far has been really great. And
1: well, and I think that it's, you know, the tools that you're offering in the book and the suggestions for people aren't pertaining to necessarily only divorce, any heartbreak, (laughs) any like, you know, dissolution of any type of relationship, those tools come into effect. I mean, grief is like, everybody's going to go through it at one point, you know, that's, that's not a under the divorce umbrella. uh, umbrella. Like, I mean, of course it's, it exists when you go through a divorce, but, um, so I'm, that doesn't surprise me at all. I think it's probably very relatable to a much wider audience just than the divorce Community. Yeah. And
3: it's so like, it's also like how, yeah, like it's called her awakening. Cause it was very much how I like woke up to like who I am actually, not just like this feeble person that would like hide and not be like myself that. And then I had all these ideas in my head from my ex of like, um like worthlessness and things like that. And so it was like this whole like journey of like awakening to like, yeah, I'm a fucking badass woman. Like, I love myself. I accept myself no matter what is going on. And it's like this kind of like the journey. So it's like, yeah, it's relevant to anybody who's kind of on that journey of like your book, like this journey of like self love and acceptance and discovery and being like, yeah, I, like I deserve the yeah. world kind of thing.
1: If you could tell your younger self who was still in your marriage one thing, what would it be?
3: I would tell her that. It doesn't have to be like this and Mm. life in your future is going to be so incredibly beautiful and i would give anybody who is struggling right now whether they're married or kind of they just split up whether their ex was an asshole or not or whatever it might be if you're just going through a hard time like just know like the other side can be so incredible and you just have no idea what's like coming your way I mean, since we've split up, I, like, I bought a property myself, I found a wonderful partner, I've had a baby, I've published a book, I've connected with people all over the world. So like so many insane things, like amazing things have happened. And so I would give anybody that advice. You have no idea what's coming down the pipe. I know it can be really scary. So much fear with ending something or moving into another chapter when you have no idea, but it can be so incredible.
1: Oh, I love that. I think it's really important for people listening to remember that life is like a roller coaster and there will be times where you are on top of the fucking world and there will be times when you are upside down in some crazy <laughs> fucking loop being like how the hell am I ever going to get out of right. this shit. Um and it's and all of it's okay and all of it's part of life so there's always going to be that next thing that's going to bring you joy or going to bring you fulfillment or going to bring you happiness. And when we can remember that in the lower moments, it's really something to cling on to mm-hmm. to help pull you out of them.
3: You know what's funny? Britney Spears, <laughs> quote once from an interview, I still think about it. And she was, it was before this whole uh, conservatorship and everything happened. It was back when but yeah. someone had asked her, you know, I think she was going through a bit of a tough time and she said something like she said the same thing, like it's like a roller coaster. And if you were always at the top of the roller coaster and you were never down in a dip, you'd never be able to appreciate the top. Yeah. <laughs> like I still think about that quote. So, you know, look at her it's now. Hashtag free, Brittany, she's free.
1: <laughs> Fucking hey, man. Um, I I I think that's so accurate. Like, you know, if you don't Ever experience the heartbreak and the grief that comes from that? How are you ever going to really fully cherish the love? I mean, I, my relationship that I'm in now, I am so much more aware of how lucky I am and how much this feeling that I have for this other person, how important that is. I didn't have that in my marriage.
3: Oh my God. Yeah. I,
1: I, I didn't have that until I felt that devastating heartbreak and really hit rock bottom in different aspects yeah. of my life. And now I'm like, fuck man, like I wouldn't appreciate this as much as I do now if it if I hadn't gone through all that. Yeah, and
3: it like, it makes you so strong. Like once you get out of it, you're like, fuck, I got through that, I can get through anything.
1: Right, like I'm fucking bulletproof world. Exactly. Come at me, man.
3: And like you said, I'm kind of the same. Like my current partner, like my ex-husband, like I never called him a partner. Like he was my boyfriend and then he was my husband. Like, and we didn't have a very healthy partnership, like I did most of the things. But now that I'm like out of that and I've realized like l- love and a relationship as a grown-up is so much more than just like love. It's like a partnership. Like, you gotta get those groceries every week, you gotta clean the house, you gotta do this, you gotta do that. And if you don't have someone at your level, that can handle his shit like you can, you know, it's very challenging. And being where I was, it makes me so thankful for, yeah, same thing, like for my partnership now and for this man. And I don't think I would have ended up with someone as amazing if I hadn't gone through all that bullshit, to be honest, and if I hadn't become strong myself. Oh,
1: my God, 100%. Yes, 100%. Um, so tell everybody where they can find you online, where the blog is, um, re, re-say the name of the book. Please give us all the things. Sounds
3: great. So you can find me on Instagram at uh, the Alexandra Eva May, and also I've been on Pinterest. And then my blog is www.thesplendidpath.com, And my book, my bestseller is Her Awakening, One Woman's Journey to Healing After Divorce. Pick it up on Amazon
1: today. Yay. I love that so much. Congratulations for all the success and how well it's doing. I I know this is only the very beginning of how many women it's going to be able to reach and heal. So uh, welcome to that fucking author club, (laughs) girl. We're happy to have you. I'm so
3: excited to be, well, for you even to be like, welcome to the club. That's cool.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Oh, I love it so much. Thank you so much for being here. Um, I'm so happy to see your happiness. Thank you. All. That's so sweet. I want to thank Alexandra so much. If you guys want to check out her book, it is on Amazon and her online presence in her blog is really, really awesome. So I highly suggest checking that out as well. Okay. We are going to take a turn and jump into your FML stories. Here we go.
0: Hey, Gabrielle. My name is Darcy and this is my FML story. I began dating my ex-husband when I was 16. We got married nine years later, and two years after that, we bought our first home. Two weeks after moving into our house, I came home early from work one day to find a woman hiding underneath of my bed. Yeah, that's how I learned about the affair my husband was having with his coworker. I went on to find out that it had been going on for about two years. I found hidden emails between the two of them, planning for her to come over my home as soon as I would leave for work, making overnight hotel plans, weekend trips that I thought he was spending with his friends. I also found a hidden checkbook that amounted to thousands of dollars that he had spent on her. So my mind immediately went to divorce, but this was the only relationship I ever knew, so it was terrifying to leave it. We separated for two months while I contemplated what to do, and during this time, his grandfather passed away. And he found out that his mother was not actually his biological mother. The grandfather we were just mourning, not his biological grandfather. It was a shit show of a time. I felt like I had to be there to support him through these awful discoveries, yet I fucking hated what he did to me in our relationship. So I also had my own Eat Pray FML trip during this time to Puerto Rico trying to seek peace and answers. He begged me the whole time to come back home, and he agreed to go to therapy with me. Ultimately, though, in the next two months that we tried salvaging our marriage, the lies and the betrayal never ended. I got the clarity that I needed, that this asshole was never going to change or treat me how I deserved. So I sold our brand new house, took our dog, and moved on with my life. I'm currently dating an amazingly caring, loving man that I actually met through my ex. Everything happens for a reason, right?
1: Oh my God, I love it so much. Um, That's like out of a fucking movie to find the woman hiding under your goddamn bed. I cannot even imagine. Um, So glad you took the fucking dog, girl. What a wild twist and turn that was to to find out that his mother was not actually his mother. There's a lot of uh of juice in that girl. Wow, um, I'm so glad that you didn't get trapped back into that for for too long. Um I can't even imagine the lies and betrayal and the amount of deception it takes to have an affair for that long and why you would even go out and get married if it was happening before the marriage. It just it makes no sense to me. Um, I'm so glad that you have found your happily ever after and you're damn straight everything happens for a fucking reason. Okay, here is story number two
2: hey gabrielle i'm Lindsay, 34 year old um, registered dental hygienist here in the state of florida in a small town called merritt island where the space shuttle is i'm um, here to tell you my fml story so um i met my husband brian in november of 2007 and um we're both from here small town big families we've uh, you know been here for a long time he is seven and a half years older than me so i didn't meet him until i was older 20. um so I meet him, everything starts to happen quickly. You know, he's that big, strong six foot five, confident guy, speaks with conviction. Everyone knows him, life of the party, you know, so everything happens quickly. Classic narcissism. I didn't know about that until now. It started up here and just kept going down. Um, Anyway, so meet him. He asked me to move in with him about three and a half, four months into dating each other. You know, I'm just this young, naive girl who's head over her heels because no one's ever treated her this way before. Um... We conceive our daughter um March of that year, which is like four months into knowing each other, um, because he wanted to have a baby. He was so family-oriented, he was a school teacher. Um, so we conceive our daughter um <clears throat> and birth her one year later after knowing each other, best thing I've ever done, but still crazy. So anyway, um, Brian, I found out he cheated on me when Paisley was about one. Um, it was what I thought was an isolated incident. Um, you know, he writes me this apology letter, he's so sorry. I take him back. Yes, I know, sounds stupid. Um, I believe everybody deserves a second chance and you fight for what you love. And that's what I loved. And I was 21 with a daughter. So um, this apology seemed genuine. Um, I took him back. We were working on things. It seemed like things were getting better and better and better. He proposed to me about five, when Paisley was about five years old, five years later, um, asked to have another kid. We conceived, we just had this dream of a life, right? Like making good money, both of us, building our dream house. a dream literally a dream of a life like everyone anyways um long story short i got a phone call from a girl that we fished with in the bahamas every summer his her family her dad and my ex-husband are like they were like the best of friends those people were like grandparents to my children they're like a second family she called to tell me that her and brian have been screwing the past five years basically since the conception and birth of my son um she wanted to let me know that she wasn't the only one that he's screwing my cousin who sits next to me in church every day sunday and another girl who is a friend was a friend of ours um that she's been screwing him every single bahamas trip they go on even the ones that my children and i are there on in the next room um yeah so As this has all now come out, it's been a year since I found everything out and I don't even think I've ever had time to process it, but the layers of the onion just keep unraveling and unraveling. And it is insane to me that there are so many other women who experience things like this and researching narcissistic sociopath and knowing that there's a diagnosis just helps so much. What you're doing is amazing and hearing your stories and other people's stories. I didn't even know that this, I knew about narcissism. People have heard that, but until you're with that, like, holy shit. Um, my story is nuts. My, I have could go on for hours about this. Um, it just branches out into so many web of lies. It's like, I mean, our friends are like, holy crap, you guys are together all the time. Like, when, you know, um, it's nuts. My lawyer's like, write a freaking book, dude. This is insane. So, anyways, I'd love to share more of my story. I'm thankful for you and all that you were doing. And I really appreciate you listening. So, I hope we can chat soon. Oh my God, girl. Um, damn, the, uh, the,
1: the five years Bahama screw. And then the cousin, the cousin, I mean, fuck man, that's, that's deep sociopathic shit. And I I think that that's a really good point you brought up when you said, God, you guys are together all the time. How does he even have time to do that? Um, that's that's how I felt about my ex husband and I, um, and it was very convenient work related stuff that he he would make up these extravagant lies um, to be able to go and have this affair so i it happens all the time. Um, you are not fucking alone, and I am so glad that this show has taught you more about narcissism and what to look out for. You were so young when you got into that relationship. And I am so glad that you are now out of it and free from it. And thank God you have those two beautiful little kids. So it was all worth it in a sense. Next week, you guys, it is officially time. It is everyone's favorite episode of the season. We are doing season three episode of all the fucking questions where you guys have submitted questions on our Instagram pages. And Jackie and I are going to sit down and answer them one by one, blind. Uh, It always turns out being a fucking riot of an episode. So make sure you bring a fun cocktail to next week's episode. As always, make sure you are subscribed so you never miss an episode. Keep up with us on Instagram at FML Talk Podcast. If you are needing more bonus content... You can get three seasons on the Patreon subscription. That's patreon.com slash FML Talk. You can watch us on YouTube now at youtube.com slash FML Talk. And as always, I will see you guys next Wednesday. Cheers.
0: Welcome to As a Woman, fertility hormones and beyond. I'm your host, Dr. Natalie Crawford, and I am a fertility physician and co-founder of Fora Fertility in Austin, Texas. We will talk about a wide range of topics, including the menstrual cycle, your hormones, infertility, IVF, mental health, and well, beyond. So join us and become part of the community of collaboration that amplifies others as a woman. This podcast has been brought to you by Podcast Nation.